Your Money Replay from Money FM 89.3. Money and Me on Your Money, only on Money FM 89.3. Is bigger better? You're in Money and Me. I'm Michelle Martin. Two capital and REITs in a proposed mega merger. So the local property trust sector is in focus here on Money and Me. I am talking with Arun Pai. He is the Chief Crystals Officer, leading investment at uh, Robo Advisory Crystal AI. It was all over the news yesterday when Capital Land announced it was going to merge two of its trusts Capital Land Commercial Trust, or CCT, and Capital Land Mall Trust, or CMT in an $8 billion cash and stock deal. So this new combined entity called Capital and Integrated Commercial Trust is expected to be the third largest real estate investment trust in Asia, the biggest in Singapore, with a market cap of nearly $17 billion, combined property value of close to $23 billion. The combined entity will have the ability to take up to $4.6 billion of overseas acquisitions in developed countries while remaining predominantly Singapore-based. Arun, good morning. Thanks for joining us and sharing your thoughts. Let's start with the Capital Land merger. What do you think led to the move to merge CCT and CMT? And how could this benefit the real estate investment trust company? Good morning, Michelle. Yeah, so obviously huge headlines in you know various newspaper publications yesterday. I think personally the writing was on the wall when Capital Land struck a $6 billion deal earlier in Jan of 2019, which they did with Temasek to basically combine Ascendas and Singbridge. As soon as that happened, the writing was literally on the wall where you needed to get the other competitors in the space had to basically scale up as quickly as possible to ensure that they aren't like muscled out in an industry that requires extensive balance sheet to be able to like buy properties and then, you know, upsell them and stuff. So starting from Jan of last year, I think there have been like five or six transactions already in this space. And truth be told, given that the Singapore market is obviously relatively small as compared to the rest of Asia or the world, it was inevitable, I would say. In terms of uh, individual shareholders, I think the general REITs segment has a massive tailwind, given the fact that interest rates are very like are basically at like all-time lows right now. Mm. And if anything, the Fed, at least in the U.S., will potentially keep interest rates as they are for the whole of this year, which should be a general uplift to REIT stocks. So this merger is uh, at least the fifth tie-up among local REITs over the past 12 months here. So consolidation really the theme that we're seeing, as you just described so well there. How are investors expected to benefit from this merger, Arun? I don't think that any kind of acquisition will take place at a substantial premium to the tradable share price. By that, what I mean is investors decide to start buying REITs, hoping that they'll get acquired at a 20 to 30% premium and they can make money overnight or the next week or two weeks. I do not see that happening. I think it's going to be more of like a long-term play where hopefully the management of both companies can actually realize those kind of cost savings that they've put up in all the various board presentations and stuff. Generally, the space itself is quite attractive for an investor, as I was highlighting because of the low interest rates and more of like the macro news. Mm-hmm. Don't expect to become rich overnight in this, but keep collecting dividends in a slow annual basis and keep it for the long term. And do you see this helping Capital Land 
in terms of it being more competitive in the market in the long run? It's always a big uh, question mark when two large entities combine, whether those realized synergies will actually take place. You know, it's only been a year since, you know, as, as you highlighted, like the last five mega transactions. I think we will start seeing more information as and when earnings are released on a quarterly basis for the next, say, a year or two. Obviously, the first year, year and a half is a lot of issues dealing with like the cultures and trying to like cut costs as much as possible because a lot of support functions are now going to be duplicated. So it will take time. There will be some successful stories. There will sadly be some failures. But overall, I think the sector is genuinely quite attractive for investors, given the ability to achieve reasonably high uh, headline dividends, environment where interest rates are so so low and you're basically not getting any money by depositing your hard-earned cash in a bank account. Mm, Great insight there. Let's move to news that we haven't been able to stop talking about since Monday. The Wuhan virus, such a story. The death toll has jumped to 17. The total number of confirmed cases has also increased. The outbreak has been closely compared to the SARS epidemic. But we are talking today about Wuhan. And what we do know is that Wuhan has suspended outbound flights and rail services. Citizens have been advised not to leave the city without a special reason. And the city is also suspended travel by bus, subway and ferry. So real efforts to contain the virus, this according to Chinese state media. Arun, if the situation continues and a spread happens, what sort of economic impact should China prepare for? Of course, any loss of life is extremely saddening. And in a case like this, which is potentially contagious and and given the interconnectedness of not just internally within China, but the entire region, it can get very scary very quickly. Like, you know, we all remember how massively, uh, like the economies got massively affected in Singapore and Hong Kong when the SARS outbreak happened, right? Like the roads were empty, property prices collapsed, transport segments, stocks obviously took a massive hit, the hotel segment, the F&B segment. So in a sad way, Like the fact that SARS happened a while back, I think it taught governments on how to try and limit the effects of this. As you were highlighting, you know, immediately they stopped inbound or outbound flow of people from Wuhan coming closer to home. Singapore set up like a task action committee immediately to ensure that the spread can be relatively contained. Sadly, it's too early to tell. Obviously, as an investor, we need to be extremely cautious and take a more concerned approach to investing. Keep a lookout for headlines. Hopefully the governments will be able to manage this. But if this thing really does start spreading, given the fact that it is so contagious, avoiding sectors that will naturally be affected by this, like in terms of transportation, F&B, entertainment, across the board, at least in the Asian region, it might be a good time to try and take some uh, chips off the table. Mm. What do you see as the potential impact on oil prices since there are concerns of demand devastation effect that the coronavirus could have on global consumption? I think it's a bit of a stretch right now to go into take that large leap. This could easily be, you know, in a week or two weeks, the epidemic is somewhat contained only in a certain province. And the right steps, this is all contingent to the right steps being taken by the government. Of course, if this goes the other way and, you know, like transportation 
is grounded to a halt, basically, unless it's extremely urgent or required travel, then you will see the after effects on a macro thing like oil. But right now, I think that's a bit too premature to get into, I feel. Okay, Nomura Holdings and Barclays Bank have drawn similarities between the Wuhan virus and the 2003 SARS outbreak. Nomura expecting the virus to further dampen China's growth in the services sector. Barclays expects the virus to be felt more in transportation and retail. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, so like those are, you know, most definitely the sectors that will get affected first. And in fact, they already have. Like the second the news came out, Yesterday and day before, those specific sectors got quite badly affected in the Hong Kong Stock Exchange and, of course, in the Shanghai Listed Exchange, too. Whether this will be a little bit more a long-drawn affair or not is really in the hands of the government. And one can only hope that the learnings from SARS will be implemented extremely well in the current situation and we do not even come even remotely close to what happened back in uh, 2003. Well, we're all connected in this day and age, but let's talk about potential impact on Hong Kong, close neighbor. Analysts have said that the Wuhan virus is the last thing that Hong Kong's struggling economy needs now after being tipped into a recession by the trade war between U.S. and China and then the pro-democracy protests as well. How do you see this virus adding to Hong Kong's current list of woes? Yeah, sadly, nothing seems to be going right for the country. Huh? <laughs> it, it had a couple of good IPOs. You know, Alibaba had a good show of support, raising 10 odd billion dollars over there. But this will definitely not help the cause. To my knowledge, at least, I don't think of, that there's been a confirmed case yet over there. I could be wrong in that aspect, though. But at least it's definitely not spread or it's nowhere nearly the situation of SARS. So again, you know, one can just like, it is extremely interconnected, obviously, Hong Kong and China. If things really do start spreading over there, I hate to say it, this, you know, this, this would be like the nail in the coffin where the country's already been beaten down so much, mm. especially the hospitality, F&B, entertainment, travel segments over there. This, things could become a lot, lot worse for the country. All right, let's turn to slightly more upbeat news. Tesla crossing the $100 billion stock market valuation. This is a first for the U.S. car maker, signaling confidence Wall Street has for an all-electric future. Such a milestone. Coming less than a month after Tesla's stock crossed $420. US And that's the price that Chief Executive Officer Elon Musk had tweeted about that uh, was <laughs> The price level that he would use to take the electric car maker private. So Musk tweeting that he had funding secured to take Tesla private back in 2018. It shares trading in the mid-330 US dollar range. Later, he gave up uh, under investor pressure and regulatory concerns. Where are we now? What are your thoughts on Tesla's stock price surge? Congratulations to anyone who has uh, longed the stock. Uh, as a value investor, it is quite ridiculously like nosebleed valuations by any stretch of the means, right? Like these guys managed to sell 367,000 cars last year. As you mentioned, That's Tesla's it. valuation, that, and Tesla's valuation is 103 billion. Now you compare that with Volkswagen, which sold 11 million cars last year. Toyota sold close to about 10 million cars. Wow. And Tesla has, you know, way surpassed uh, the market caps of Ford, GM, you name it. 
Kudos, firstly, to Elon Musk for doing such a phenomenal job. If we look back, say, you know, two, three years ago, if you had said that an all-electric car company could even be created and ramp up to the scale that it has already, mad props to him. That being said, he's being granted a $50 billion pay package with a B, not an M, $50 billion mm. contingent to Tesla achieving certain milestones, the first one of which was it being able to get to a market cap of $100 billion, and there are certain nuances of it, you know, staying at that level for more than six months, a certain amount of revenue, etc. But, you know, obviously the share price, it went up close to like, I think, 595, in fact, uh, yesterday in overnight session. As an investor, though, uh, I am extremely cautious. Uh, I think it's a great story stock, and you have a lot of momentum investors who've gone into this knowing or potentially knowing that their earnings release in the end of Jan will come out to be like a decent number. But, you know, if you've seen over the course of last year, right, we've seen these massive ups and downs. Look at the alternative medicine segment, at the alternative protein segment. Like beyond meat, basically went up like to like over $200, crashed down to $80 after IPOing at like 45 Now it's at about $100. So sectors become hot for in the marketplace. And you'll see a ridiculously high run up in terms of the share price. At this valuation, do I see really, I mean, then again, forget even when it's at 575, I would say even at like 400, I would not have thought that there's that much upside. So, you know, obviously I was proven completely wrong in that aspect. Uh, But at the end of the day, you know, like valuation is how much money a company can generate from now until judgment day, right? And you PV that value down to today. And that is how Warren Buffett evaluates stocks. That is how most cautious investors should be evaluating businesses. Talking a little bit specifically about on the Tesla side, sure, you know, 367,000 cars is a great achievement. Does it warrant a $100 billion valuation where you have every third-party research company that comes out saying that Tesla's autopilot, for example, is far below the capability of, say, uh, Waymo, which is uh, one of Google's subsidiaries. So, you know, it's a massive uphill struggle. And then there are obviously this school of thought that says, it's going to, Tesla is going to become massive in energy storage. It's not exactly a car company. It's a combination of, say, Uber and uh, energy storage, uh, the energy storage business, which is like a $2 trillion segment, which Tesla can try and tap into. I think it's great uh, stories, yeah. and it definitely helps prop up the share price. Mm. I am staying far away from it. And this kind of takes me back to this guy called David Einhorn, mm. who was complaining or like belittling the bank that I used to work for, which was called Lehman Brothers. And you kind of know how Lehman Brothers ended up. <laughs> so I'll be a little cautious when David Einhorn is heavily short the stock. <laughs> okay, so I guess, you know, I mean, my question, which you've already answered was, uh, will the bull party continue? And for how long will the party continue? I think we'll leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shocked it's continued for so long. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, you know, Tesla's boss being paid in billions, but right now 119 billionaires are converging on a Swiss ski resort, uh, 53 heads of state there as well, for the annual meeting of the World Economic Forum, kicked off on Tuesday in Switzerland. I'm sure you've been uh, keeping an eye on WEF. What stood out as key highlights? for you, Arun. You mentioned the billionaires, you mentioned the heads of state. I think you forgot to mention Greta Thunberg also, oh. right? Oh, <laughs> we can't forget her, obviously. 
<laughs> but no, I think it was quite interesting. Obviously, you get to hear a bunch of really smart people and Trump. Uh, sorry for that. <laughs> you know, highlighting their points of views and what they see, what's occurring in the world right now. I think a couple of really big themes that I took away from that was obviously uh, climate change. That seems to be in the top of mind of a whole number of uh, CEOs. I think it was really interesting to see Carrie Lam and, uh, you know, Team Hong Kong stepping up to the plate, trying to convince investors and businesses in general that Hong Kong is still alive and kicking and they should, uh, you know, come on to shores. We'll try and give you certain grants and uh, a government assistance subsidies to bring back business into the country. And I think one thing that was really interesting was uh, this comment by uh, Sundar Pichai, which is mm-hmm. who is the Google uh, CEO, mm-hmm mentioning how AI is going to be more profound than fire or electricity and that it needs to be heavily regulated. Uh, You know, AI is something that obviously a lot of smart people, uh, Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg, have highlighted their views in the past. Ren Zengspe, who is uh, is Huawei's founder, uh, took the other side of that and said, you know, AI is kind of like the atom bomb. It's a bit scary to have, but look at peace that uh, the world is living in for the past 60, 70 years. So it'll be interesting to see how uh, AI obviously evolves in uh, businesses in general and how that affects the end consumer life. But I would say, you know, just to summarize it, I think those are the three main uh, highlights that I took away from uh, Davos. Okay, really interesting. So you're in the AI space and Piché has also written an editorial for the Financial Times where he said, there is no question in my mind that artificial intelligence needs to be regulated. It is too important not to. So, you know, when Google is calling for AI to be regulated, saying with facial recognition and deep fakes, um, there are potential harms and social opportunities that need to be balanced and the time to do that is now. Uh, you're in this AI space. Would, would you agree strongly? I actually would, to be honest. I think, uh, you know, even taking a step back, even before AI, like the, the size of technology companies in the world today is ridiculous. Like you have trillion dollar businesses that are basically controlling each and every single thing that we as consumers do. And for them to be able to disseminate information, which sadly in the case, you know, in many cases of uh, articles that appear on your Facebook wall could be completely just fake news. And that leads to many uh, potential societal issues where the government used to be able to regulate uh, broadcasting uh, companies to ensure that the right news is somewhat disseminated. Mm-hmm. Now uh, you can have millions or billions of people getting to know some information all because someone either tweeted something or on a private basis they shared something via WhatsApp and that message uh, got viral. I think regulation is definitely going to come. The only problem is how is it actually enforced in this day and age of, you know, high encryption, insanely complicated technology, which the governments are unable to even grasp. And me being in the AI space, even I'm unable to grasp it. (laughs) So it's extremely complicated. I I hope that, uh, you know, uh, the world as a whole will be better off using this technology because there is obviously a lot of good in it. Hmm. One can just hope for the best, I guess. Do you think think AI stocks have the potential to be some of the best performing stocks in the next 10 years with the growth of technology? 
Oh, I, if you look at the tech stocks in the past 10 years, they've been by far the best, you know, the best performers in uh, the S&P index. Oh. Well, they can, and they're trading at, you know, we can exclude Tesla and a couple of other uh, technology companies. But in the case of, say, Apple, it's still trading at very reasonably attractive valuation. So, yeah, I, I think that the future is definitely bright for certain technology stocks. But when you get regulation involved, we've seen what happened to a company like, say, Microsoft, where the share price was stagnant for 15, 20 years because the government came in and said, you have a monopoly. We will not let you do business as usual. Right. Uh, will that happen to a company like Facebook that basically controls WhatsApp, Instagram and Facebook? I would say yes. It's a matter of time. And how will they deal with it? How will the share price uh, deal with it? I would say it'll definitely be affected by it. But it really depends on the conversations uh, between the tech industry and the government to see what kind of a compromise they can uh, achieve. Well, we're flat out of time, but it's always great talking to you. Thank you so much. She is Arun Pai, Chief Crystals Officer at Crystal.ai. Arun, thank you. Thank you, Michelle. Have a wonderful day. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.